in our series, My Daily Battle. The first week, we took a look at uh, the battle of depression and uh, had opportunity to hear the gospel speak directly to that. Last week, we heard Jeremy speak about that constant battle that many of us face in sexual temptation. thought he did a great job with that and challenged us and reminded us really what God's heart is for that and gave us wisdom as to how to see that uh, be sanctified for us to be made uh, uh, like God in that. And now we turn to week three, uh, anxiety. As you might expect, of all the battles uh, that we laid out, this was the number one daily battle that people identified that they wrestle with on a daily basis. 30% of those in our survey clicked, number one, my most intense personal daily battle is anxiety. 30% of the people that looked at, looked at that list of 10 daily battles that they struggle with. This was number one. So what we see is that this is a real struggle for people, isn't it? This is a real struggle, struggle for Christians, right? for people of faith. Uh, that anxiety and worry is something that really uh, we battle with every single day. What is anxiety? What do we mean by it when we're saying anxiety or worry? Well, good old Webster says that anxiety is a state of apprehension, uncertainty, and fear resulting from the anticipation of a realistic or fantasized threatening event or situation, right? Apprehension, uncertainty, fear, resulting from anticipating something that could happen or maybe could never even possibly happen, uh, something in the future, some event or situation, often impairing physical and physiological functioning. It's a long definition, but I think it encapsulates much of what we fear, uh, feel and wrestle with. I like what Tim Lane in his book, Living Without Worry, points out. If you want to pick up a book on worry and how to battle it, pick up Tim Lane's book, Living Without Worry. I can't recommend it any higher. Uh, it was just excellent. Well done. He says this, the English word worry comes from an old English word meaning to strangle. Isn't that interesting? To strangle. All right? He says anxiety comes from an Indo-German word referring to suffering from a narrowing, a tightening feeling in the chest or throat. And I think as we hear that, right, it comes from, worry comes from strangle. Anxiety comes from a tightening, a, 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 um, a narrowing of the throat or the chest. That becomes uh, for us an easy way to just describe what we feel, right? Spiritually, physically, mentally, we feel like we're being strangled, that life is literally the situations that we face a sucking air out of us and we can't breathe. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you that may even feel this physically know that tightening, narrowing feeling that's inside the chest in the throat, right? That this uh, is not just a mental state, but it begins to affect us 
physically, and it is overwhelming. It is difficult. And I like the way Corey Tenboom uh, really gets at the kind of effect that this has, especially if it's repeated over and over and over again. She uh, says this, she says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Right? Sometimes we think that, right? We think that, that if we worry about something, if, we, if we're concerned about something, we bite our fingernails about something that's going to happen in the future, that maybe we can get control of it, get a handle of it. But look at what she says. It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. I think that's very insightful. And I think that that really uh, explains for us the kind of effect that anxiety and worry can have on our everyday experience. Why is it so difficult when we wrestle with anxiety and worry? It's because it's, it's not really helping tomorrow, but it is really hurting today. You know exactly what I'm talking about if you struggle with anxiety. Why does this matter? We live in a culture that walks every step in worry. You know, we're an anxious society. Do you know that uh, in the U.S., anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness? That's significant. Affecting 40 million adults in the United States, about 18% of the population. That comes from the National Institute of Mental Health. Some of the manifestations of this are general anxiety disorder, panic disorders, social anxiety disorder. I know a number of folks that just get really anxious being in social situations. This is a real struggle for a lot of people. Phobias, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and others, right? Affecting 40 million adults. It costs the U.S. $42 billion a year to treat. That's just for the people that go forward and receive treatment. $42 billion a year. One-third of the country's $148 billion total mental health bill. This is a significant issue that a significant portion of people in today's society really struggles with, right? Beyond that, uh, these, these kind of defined uh, uh, diagnoses is this. There's a lack of inner calm that many people face. This may describe you. There's a general unsettledness in life. You know you're supposed to just sit down and enjoy, but you can't. There's an unsettledness. There's an inner turmoil. There's a, there's a striving inside, right? There's, there's, there's restlessness. Why can't I rest? Why can't I sigh in the midst of life? Some of you feel that even now. There's a lot of fingernail biting, a lot of stomach pain that people experience, loss of sleep, and many anxious people would say that they describe their life as a constant exhaustion. I don't think I'm overstating it. I think that's really how people deal and struggle and the things that they feel. The question we have today is, does this describe your life? Is this how you interact with every single day? Is this how you face situations that are difficult, in some of which you face that aren't really logically difficult. You just feel an intense weight as if they were. 
Does this describe you? I'll never forget 2005. This is like a, you know, you have these moments in your life that are like, ooh, that was a big one. That one helped me get a handle on things. Uh, and I didn't see that coming. Raise your hand if you have some of those moments in your life where you look back and go, that was a big one. That was a boulder in the bucket that, that has really made a big difference in how I view self and life and all that. Well, 2005, I was a 25-year-old pastor. And yeah, right? And I, I thought maybe because I had a degree and a, and a little bit of passion that I could get out there and, and, and with an intense personality and, and a lot of drive and assertiveness and some optimism, we can do this. We can, we can see every man, woman, and child come to faith. We're all about it. We're all in. Let's do it. God's going to do amazing things. And just all this energy and intensity going into my job. And, and, I had to, and I got an invitation to be a part of this leadership program, which was tailored to people who were called to lead at a young age. And so I was like, well, absolutely, man. I, I, need, I need some help. So I go to this thing called the Aero Leadership Program, and I fill out all these little inventories, you know, those 400-question tests that are so annoying. I've done so many of those. Raise your hand if you've done some of those tests, like inventorying your personalities, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I went uh, to this uh, uh, leadership program, and they sat me down with a psychologist. And I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm good, right? So I sit down face-to-face -face with the psychologist, and he's like, hmm, okay, all right. So talk to me about your life, you know, and so I'm kind of explaining, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, I have some concerns. Really? What are they? He goes, well, you're a ticking time bomb. True story. I'm like, Doc, come on, Doc. What do you mean? He's like, well, my understanding of the way that you've answered these questions is that you are this. You're highly anxious and you're emotionally unstable. Thud. Right? What I thought was this inner intense, like this, this intensity really when he looked at the, the things I was facing, was high anxiety and low emotional stability. And I'll tell you what, that was hard to hear, but man, was it a gift from God at the age of 25 to hear, no, you got issues, right? I got issues, right? That was me. And so this struggle is a personal one for me. It's one that I checked number one, my daily battle. And I'll tell you what, there is great hope in the midst of this battle. I know this struggle, but I also know God's grace in this. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the way God has spoken to this. God has addressed this. And inside, I realized that the thing that I longed for so desperately was a peace that surpasses all understanding, right? That goes beyond my situations. An inner peace. And the wonderful thing that we hear from the Word of God today, that especially if you're wrestling with this, is that God has secured for us in Jesus Christ a peace that transcends all of our understanding in our situation. Can we take a look at this together? Right? This is really foundational stuff about how God cares and speaks and is present 
in the midst of our most intense personal struggles. Isn't that wonderful to hear? Let's hear it specifically from Jesus. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Let's see what Jesus says about worry, about anxiety. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious, about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day as its own trouble this is the word of God and all God's people said amen these are the words of Jesus Christ our Lord as he recognizes that this is an intense struggle for people and Disciples, what does he say to us? Three times, do not be anxious about your life. Verse 25, verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. Verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Jesus is very clear in his command to us who wrestle with worry. He says, walk away from worry. Abandon anxiety. Do not respond to life situations, specifically the basics about what you're to eat or what you're to drink or about what you're to wear or about tomorrow. Don't be asking, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? Do not be anxious. Walk away from worry. Abandon anxiety as a response to what seems to be uncertainty in these matters. That's what Jesus says. Now we have to be careful. Jesus, and I like the way Timothy Lane points this out in his book. He says, what Jesus is not saying when he says, don't be anxious, he's not saying uh, that you shouldn't care about your life. Right? Jesus is not calling people to apathy. Right? 
that would be the other side that many people, just being overwhelmed with life, cannot just get anxious, but they can say, phew, who cares, right? They can respond to life by being apathetic. And so some of you uh, need to be a little bit more concerned about your life, right? In society, there's, there's a whole uh, uh, generation of people, in many ways, that needs to be a little bit more concerned about life. No, he's not saying uh, don't take responsibility for what you've been called to do. He's not saying don't care. He's not saying that. He's saying, as Timothy Lane points out, don't be over-concerned. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Right? Don't be over-concerned. There's a biblical sense of concern that we should have. And there is something that we should be striving for, seeking after. There are questions that we should be asking. There are concerns that we should have. He tells us in verse, what? 33. Seek first the kingdom of God in all of His righteousness. Right? There's something to be concerned about. There's something to be focused on. There's something to be striving for. And it is not asking questions about the basic provisions of life. No, it is the kingdom of God. So we are, we are to be concerned. We are not to be apathetic. But what he's saying is, is don't be over-concerned. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Jesus is looking at His disciples and He's saying, walk away from worry. Abandon anxiety. And again, as someone who wrestles with this, and I know many of you do as well, in the world, this is, this is a big one. When we hear the words, do not be anxious about your life, we can begin to respond and begin to ask the question, does Jesus have absolutely any idea what I'm dealing with? Right? It seems so simple to Jesus. Yeah, don't do that. It seems like he's missing something. That he might be unaware with everyday human experience. Do you feel that? When you hear the command, don't be anxious about your life, do you begin to respond like, does Jesus understand how difficult it is to put food on the table? Does Jesus know the, the interview that I have next week? He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow, but does he recognize that if I don't get this job... You see, it would be easy for us when we hear this, this call from Jesus, this, this command from Jesus, to begin to ask the question, does he have any understanding what we are dealing with? Does he know how difficult every single day is to manage? The answer to that question is emphatically, yes, he does. Let's not forget the Jesus that we're hearing from, the Jesus that left the perfection of glory who entered into human history for the purpose of taking on human flesh and interacting with the exact same struggles that we interact with. That Jesus is very much understands what we deal with. In fact, Hebrews talks about that he, he sympathizes. Amen? He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows our daily battles. He took on human flesh. He left the glory of heaven and is now just like one of us living amongst us, interacting with our experiences. He knows what it's like to have to put food on the table. He knows what it's like to have to put clothes on. He knows what it's like. 
And yet he still, in the knowledge of what we face, looks at us and says, do not be anxious. He knows. And he has good reason to say these things. He, he calls us to walk away from worry because worry itself, based on its value and its meaning, is simply questionable. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, when Jesus looks at us as worriers, as anxious people, what is he doing? He's telling us, don't, don't be anxious. And then he begins to ask a list of questions regarding that. So it, for Jesus, the response to these things is questionable. The anxious response is questionable, right? Look what he says. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Question one. Question two. Are you not more valuable than they? Speaking to, speaking concerning the birds that have been fed by the Father. Are you not more valuable than they are? Question three. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. He's calling into question the effectiveness of worry. When we, when we bite our fingernails and get all concerned and over-concerned, what if this, what if that, how are we going to, when we, when we engage in, in, in response to life with all this worry, how much of it has, has, has played a role in changing the span of time? Has it done you any good? No. It's questionable. It doesn't do any good. Look at what he says. And why are you anxious about clothing? And then he talks about the lilies being clothed with a, with a greater glory than the glory of Solomon's temple. No, the father clothes the grass of the field, the things that are cut and thrown into the oven. Will he not also clothe you? He's questioning us in our response. Why are you anxious about clothing? Will he not much more clothe you? Jesus questions us. It's questionable. But not only that, he calls us to walk away from worry because he sees worry for what it really is in the deepest part of our heart. See, that's the, the all-knowing nature of Christ. See, we may not know what is causing all this, what's, what's behind all of it. What's the real issue with worry and anxiety? See, we may go, I don't get it. Like, as an anxious guy, sometimes I'm like, this is dumb. Where is this coming from? I, I can't make sense out of this. This is, this is illogical. It's irrational. It doesn't fit. We're going to be fine. Right? But Jesus knows exactly what is the cause, the ultimate cause of our anxiety and our worry. At the end of that last question, he says this, But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And he looks at his disciples and he calls anxiety what it is. It's a lack of faith in God. He says, O you of little faith. And that is a hard word to hear. But I think it's freeing, as a sufferer of this, it's freeing to just call it what it is. See it for what it is. To respond to life, uh, the basics of life, about, uh, about 
uh, food and clothing and, and, and just all the basics of human life with anxiety and worry, to look at the future and say, what if this and what if that? How, what if that doesn't happen? What if this doesn't happen? To constantly be perseverating over these things is really at the deepest part of me a, a lack of faith in the Father. That's what it is. John Piper has a book called Battling, the, uh, Battling Unbelief, and one of his chapters is Battling Anxiety. He says, the root of anxiety is a lack of faith in our Heavenly Father. As unbelief gets the upper hand in our hearts, one of the results is anxiety. Anxiety is one of the evil conditions of the heart that comes from unbelief. I think this is a powerful statement. He says, much anxiety, Jesus says, comes from little faith. I need to put a sticky note on one of my mirrors for that one. Much anxiety, Jesus says, comes from little faith. It's a spiritual issue. right? Our lack of peace is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual lacking. right? And so Jesus points it out. That when you worry about these things, when you respond to challenges and situations, you are responding in unbelief. You're not trusting God. For all that He is and all that He has done. And all that He will do, you're not trusting God. But it's also a physiological condition, right? I read an interesting article uh, posted at challies.com this week uh, about a blogger uh, that some of you may know. His name's Adam Ford. I believe he's the one who created the Christian satire, uh, the Babylon Bee. Yes, you can start laughing because it's pretty funny. Um, I always find it freeing to make fun of silly Christian stuff. Uh, it just makes you feel good, you know. It's like, ah, that's kind of funny. We are kind of weird sometimes. Um, so uh, anyway, he started this Babylon Bee, and uh, he writes on Chalice.com a, a testimony of his wrestling with panic and social anxiety and deep physiological uh, struggle, right? He understands that at the core of what anxiety is, it is a lack of faith, but he understands that sometimes, even as he's clinging to the gospel, there's a physiological effect that his anxiety still has. And that sometimes it's like, I just couldn't go today. I just couldn't be there. It was too much for me to handle. And so this, this spiritual condition known as anxiety can manifest itself, as we've already said, in physiological ways. And there's an understanding that the way our spirit and our body reacts to life situations, uncertainties, and, and, and a lack of assurance about something, it all goes back to our fallen state, our fallen condition. My body isn't responding the way that it was created to respond. And I, felt, I feel that often. Sometimes my wife will look at me and she'll see some expression on my face. And I'll look at her and say, I'm fine. I'm good. There's not one thing I can identify that's bothering me. There's not one thing I'm concerned about or worried. I'm just sitting at the dinner table enjoying this awesome food. We're about to have cake. And I'm in a good mood. But for some reason, my chest just kind of tightened up. And there's an unexplained like, just weight that I feel. Sometimes it's just physiological. And I love that I can look at it and just say, yeah, it's just me being me in my fallen state. 
And again, that's a, that's a minor example of what many people feel in very, very, very uh, intense circumstances physiologically. But I think what we need to do is still understand that that just shows again that the, our existence is we're living in a lack of peace. That's not the way we're supposed to respond to life. Our bodies weren't made to respond to life and, and challenges and concerns with that kind of response. That's not the way God designed it. Whether it's faith or physically, which by the way is still the result of sin in the world that has corrupted our bodies and our nature, all of it is traced back to the source of the problem. Sin, which leads to unbelief, which leads to worry, which leads to anxiety. And so I hope that that gives you insight into this is where it's all coming from and just call a spade a spade. But also give you the grace that some of it is uncontrollable. It's not always just, well, you're not trusting in the Father. Sometimes in the midst of, as Adam Ford says, in the midst of just clinging to the gospel of Jesus Christ, clinging to the cross, you still feel what you feel. And that may not end until Jesus returns. And here's the wonderful news. That Jesus has finally and fully dealt with this issue. There is hope for you who struggle with anxiety. And that is the ultimate reason and the final reason that he can look at us and say, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Walk away from it. Abandon anxiety. He says this, that Jesus is calling us to walk away from it because of our relationship with God the Father. And I really want you to, to get this. If you've missed everything else, get this. Jesus calls us to walk away from worry, to abandon anxiety because of a relationship that we have with God the Father. How could Jesus do it? Listen, Jesus, God the Son, has a relationship with God the Father. And now he's calling us to say, hey, share in this. This is why I can take on human experience. This is why I can face all the difficulties that you face. Ask all the questions that you ask and not be anxious about it. Not be concerned. You know why? Because I've got a relationship with God the Father. I've got an inner peace in the midst of this world that I want to share with you. You need a relationship with God the Father just like I do. That's what Jesus is saying. Right? Every question turns to the Father. Look at what he says. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Don't miss that phrase. Underline it. Your heavenly Father feeds them. He goes on, right? Verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. The ultimate source of peace in the midst of an anxious and worrisome world is the Father who, who, who Jesus is saying, listen, with all the, the basics of life, human existence, just maintaining human existence, here's the deal. God knows that you need them. The Father knows what you need. The Father cares. First Peter 5. Cast all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. God cares for you. The Father cares for you. And then He provides. God provides. Right? Will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? For those who are parched by anxiety, 
We need to come to the well of peace. And that is a relationship with God the Father. God the Father. Jesus knows the way that He's going to secure that kind of peace for you. Right? Jesus knows that God is going to provide for everything, even your most ultimate need, the, the renovation of your soul, the resurrection of your heart, the transformation of who you are in the deepest part of you so that you don't have to live and respond to life circumstances with worry and anxiety, that you can be someone who the very peace of God is poured into their heart. There is no hope for peace for eternity. There is no hope for peace in this world. There is no hope for peace inside your heart if it is not because of a relationship with you, that you have with God the Father. And this is a gospel issue. Peace. What Jesus did in coming into the world and dying on the cross for your sins, when Jesus did that, He secured for you peace with God. I would say that, that ultimately, all anxiety, concern, and worry, any uncertainty, any lack, of, any lack of assurance in any aspect of our lives gets tied back to a lack of peace with God the Father. There's a direct line connected to that. But look at what Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified, having been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel says to our lack of inner peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in perpetual, all-encompassing, eternal concern and lack of assurance. You can have peace through Jesus Christ. Been justified by faith. We have peace with God. He has secured Peace for us in relationship to other people. Ephesians 2. He himself is our peace in speaking about Jesus. He has made us both one, broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What he's talking about there is that Jews and Gentiles were at enmity with one another. They were enmities. They were separate and alienated from one another. And the work of Jesus Christ did what no other work could do. Bring Jew and Gentile together establish reconciliation and peace in human relationships. And some of our anxiety that we have every day comes from a lack of resolved conflict that's going on in our lives. Sometimes for decades, multiple decades, some conflict, some bitterness, some lack of forgiveness is just eating at us. And the gospel says, hey, I died for that. I died for that. It's done. It's finished. I paid for their sin. I paid for your sin. Now grace can be the operative principle that defines every single human relationship that you have. You can walk in peace with others. Ha! And you say, yeah, but what about me? I like Jesus. I like, I like others. But man, I look in the mirror and I say, phew. You know, I'm not really happy with who I am. I'm not happy with myself. Uh, I, I look down on myself. I'm, there's a lack of peace about who I am. And I think, uh, I can't help but think of Paul's statement, by the grace of God, I am who I am. 
And that's not an excuse to just be a doofus, right? That's like, no, who I am is, is because of the work of grace in my heart. And some of you need to just hear that, that it's not your performance. You don't have to prove anything to anybody because of the gospel, right? You don't have to make, you don't have to be self-made. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. And yet at the very same time, it is the work of grace, it is the work of God through Jesus Christ to change you in a way that fashions you to be you, a unique child of the Heavenly Father. You can be at peace with yourself, all-encompassing peace. We're at peace with God, peace with others, peace with self. We can face every situation with a peace knowing that He cares, that He knows, and that He's providing for everything that we need. Amen? But all of that ties back to trusting in Jesus and having a relationship with God the Father. Right? John chapter 1. For all who received Him, all those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So if you want peace, receive Jesus. Believe Jesus. Believe Him. And you'll be a child of God. Living under the promise and peace of the Heavenly Father. Right? That's how we walk away from worry, ultimately. We walk away from worry because we have a relationship with God the Father. Amen? And in the context of that relationship of faith in the Father, peace from the Father, how do we make withdrawals of peace to sustain each day? Well, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 makes it very clear, and I know I've got to speed up a little bit. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. Here we go again. Thanks, Paul. Do not be anxious about anything. You say, what is this? Doesn't he know? Yeah, he does. He's got a relationship with the Father. And here's what he says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. That's a freeing term. There is nothing that God is bored with and can't handle in your life. There is no situation, no struggle, no interview in the future, no inner turmoil, no conflict that seems to be unresolved. There's nothing that the Father can't handle. If you're concerned about it, He can deal with it. Amen? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with, or by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What he's saying is this, is that if we have a relationship with the Father, we respond by going to the Father. That's what we do. People of peace have a relationship with the Father, and people of peace respond to life by going to the Father. That's what this relationship is all about, right? God wants to dispense mercy and grace in everyday human experience. He, does, he commands us to not worry because He wants us to be characterized by peace. And He's given us a means by which we can make constant withdrawal from the well of peace that it is in the heart and nature of God. So pray. Cry out to God. I'll never forget... In, in some of the uh, seminary years of, of uh, sermons, you know, we'd have class and we'd preach and the, the teacher would go like this, oh, brother, the future of the church, 
we're in trouble. You know, but every once in a while, someone would, would just, boom, crack one out of the park. Well, I had a friend who killed this passage. Like, we almost all went and got saved at the altar during seminary class. It was amazing. And his big idea, I will never forget it. He described anxiety as poison. I think that's a, it's poisonous to life, isn't it? And he goes, prayer is the antidote to anxiety. He kept preaching it. Prayer is the antidote to anxiety. And I just thought, I will never forget that. There's another big one. It's an idea from 2003 that has been etched into my heart. If I'm anxious, I hear Jason McConnell in preaching 602 say, prayer is the antidote to the poison of anxiety. So he's saying, I've got means. There's a way. You don't have to be stuck in this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll give you what you long for. Come to me. Because you have a relationship with the Father, come and cry out to the Father in prayer. And that's what happens, right? The peace of God, verse 7, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That when we pray, the protective peace of God just, just envelopes our life. And we're safe. Right? Isn't... Even just that, isn't anxiety a place where we just feel like we're not safe? We're vulnerable. And what he's saying is if you're praying to God and everything, laying it at his feet, guess what? The peace of God protects you. It guards you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Amen? So whatever situations, struggles you're facing, and even in your heart, because I know it, you're saying, I don't really want to pray. And I'll, I'll be the first to confess that I've tried to find a different way to gain peace. Guess what? There's no other way. Again, not because it's, oh, you've got to pray. It's about the Father. It's about relationship with the Father. Right? If you have a relationship with the Father, you take your concerns and anxieties, and you say, Father, you take them. Because I can't deal. And you know what? He can handle it. His shoulders are broad, amen? God's shoulders are broad. He's never weighed down by what weighs us down. He can handle it. So pray. I got way more to say on it, but I'm going to stop there. If you're looking for peace as a child of God, pray. Cry out to God. Anything on your mind. Don't feel like you've got to be the perfect prayer. Oh, I didn't say that right. Just lay your request to God. He can deal with imperfect prayers too, Amen? Oh, man, how many times I've talked myself out of prayer because it's not biblically and theologically perfect. Well, I guess I shouldn't have said that, so forget it. God can handle your imperfections. He can handle it. He's your Father. Go to Him. A couple other things that maybe practically consider, and I am wrapping up. I was confronted with this verse. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. You can't maintain peace in this life without the Word of God. You want practical, how can I be at peace? Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Amen? Read Scripture. Spend time in the Word. Right? Next, cultivate God-centered relationships. 
Cultivate God-centered relationships. If you're fighting anxiety on your own, it's a losing battle. Our relationship with the Father brings us into relationship with all of His children. And not just prayer, but all of His children. And praying together, praying for one another, is a channel, a means to sinking up to the peace of God. So if you find yourself isolated, you're probably going to find yourself anxious. If you're hiding something, if you're pretending everything is good, it's not going to work. Cultivate gospel-centered relationships. People that can remind you, I'm freaking out about this. They can look, hey, hey, the Father. Don't forget about the Father. You need gospel-centered relationships. Here's a quick, easy one. Rest. Uh, We used to laugh because Doreen's grandfather had such a simple view of life. We'd say, Grandpa, we're so tired, man. We got so we're, oh, man, it's overwhelming. And, and, and Grandpa Goddard would just say, take a nap. We were like, that doesn't seem deep enough. Right? That's, I got issues. I need more than a nap. Right? But it was like, yeah, babe, maybe we should just take a 20-minute power nap. I'm telling you, it works. If you're not sleeping enough, again, it might be because of anxiety, so I don't speak lightly to that. You know, maybe, maybe you, have, you have rest issues. Maybe it's a whole life stewardship of just needing to reprioritize your time, your resources, right? Financial anxieties are huge, oftentimes because we've not acted as stewards. We've spent our money all over the place, and now we're crying out to God to make sure the Corvette payment is made. And so I think we need to be thoughtful about uh, ownership, be careful of an ownership mentality that really, again, seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, it means stewarding our resources, our time, and saying, God, it's all yours. Maybe my anxiety comes from just not stewarding my life. Right? Maybe I, I'm, I'm eating like a slob. Man, I go in and out of that. I'm like, you know, how many French fries can you eat in a month? You know, and again, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying that some of those things become contributors of the, of, of the way our body's responding to life. And so diet and sleeping and exercise, right? Uh, I haven't crossfitted in a month, and I'm a, I, I don't know what to do with myself, right? The thought of just running just seems boring. There's nothing like throwing weights down on the ground as hard as you can and screaming at the top of your lungs. I feel so much better. I just do. Lifting weights, running, sprinting, push-ups, that, that adrenaline, and, and this is a whole other book. Archibald Hart has a book on adrenaline and stress. Buy it. Unbelievable. A lot of our stress and anxiety physiologically comes from being adrenaline junkies. Exercise helps the adrenaline issue, right? So again, some of these may seem very boring and and unbiblical, but the point is that some of these things can really help. Stewardship of life. And I'm going to say this, and I have to because of last week, you know, or two weeks ago when it comes to uh, depression. You know, this is a spiritual issue period. To challenge that is to challenge the words of God in Christ, right? Anxiety is a lack of faith ultimately. But we understand the world in which we live. We understand that it's, it's worrisome and that our bodies aren't responding and our, and, our, and our mental state isn't responding the way that it's supposed to be. I, I truly believe that medical attention can really be a common grace from God. We, we, we want to give permission to that. 
Again, not to run to some of these, uh, some of these uh, doctors that, that, that really, I think, so oftentimes, I'm no doctor, okay, I'm just one who's been on the other side of the table, thinking that the, the, the amount of medication and the type of medication can be freely given and all too, too much of it, okay? So I'm not saying go medicate yourselves into a coma. What I'm saying is, is that some of you, the issues that you face may require professional and medical attention, and if it helps, praise Jesus, okay? That's my take on it. Um, and again, it's every issue is different. Uh, every issue is different. And so there's no like all, 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 all sizes fit kind of thing with that. But uh, what I'm trying to really convey is there's hope in the gospel, right? And it's simply this, right? We can walk away from worry. We can abandon anxiety because we have a relationship with God the Father through God the Son. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are peace. Your Son came and preached peace to us. And now, as we have a relationship with you, we are people of peace. Because of the work of Christ, we can truly live in shalom. And I pray that if there's anybody here that feels like something's just not right about me, about life, that I need, I need hope and I need peace and I'm, I'm really struggling with this daily battle, I pray that you would minister your peace. Jesus says in John 14 and 16, uh, peace I give to you, my peace I give to you. I, I don't give as the world gives. Right? I've overcome the world. <laughs> Take heart. And I pray that they would hear those words, turn to Jesus, and receive peace in the deepest part of who they are. That they would trust in Jesus, receive Jesus, believe Jesus, become children of God, and thus live as citizens of a kingdom of God that is characterized by peace. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. In Christ's name, amen.